welcome to Turns Out She's Psychic, the podcast. Spiritual musings, sometimes amusing. I'm Tracy. And I'm Laura. Hi, Tossies. It's Tracy. And um, usually you would hear Laura say, hello, dear listeners, but I'm going to say hello, Tospies, because Laura is not with us today. We have the beautiful resident witch, Shannon, from Turns Out She's a Witch. Hi, Shannon. Hello. Very happy to be here. Thank you for being my wingman today. My pleasure. Wing sister. (laughs) Wing witch. Um, and a couple of months ago, we had a, um, a bit of a brainstorming session for guests that we could bring on to all the different podcasts that we host at the Turns Out Network. And you um, gave us some beautiful suggestions, including today's guest. And so I'm going to introduce today's guest, um, Gaia. So hi, Gaia. Thank you for coming. I'm going to read out a bit of an introduction for you, if you like. Um, so be prepared to get all blushy and humbled. <laughs> Gaia Gaia is an internationally known healer, medium, and spiritual coach. She founded Soul 33, a healing company, and the modality of soul progression therapy when she had an awakening at the age of 33. She channels messages from spirit guides, uses energy healing, and is able to speak to your soul and see your past lives. She sees your soul blueprint. She reminds you who you are in a very practical way. Gaia has a master's in management studies, is a Reiki master, and has a qualification from Omega Institute New York in past life regression therapy. She has created a spiritual guidance app and is the founder of Spiritual Health Magazine to help others understand the journey. And we are delighted to have Gaia with us here today from across the pond in New Zealand. So hi, Gaia. Welcome to Turns Out She's Psychic. Thank you, ladies, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's wonderful. You've got such a beautiful energy. And I had no idea who you were until Shannon introduced you. And then when I got on to figure out how I was going to interview you, what I was going to ask you, my God, I got lost in the rabbit hole of all these different things, watched all your videos. (laughs) Oh, awesome. I love it. And you've got such a beautiful presence as well. Like in your videos, um, you speak like, um, like a presenter. You've got such a beautiful presenter's voice. It's it's lovely. It's lovely to watch. You're very easy to listen and watch when you're explaining all of these these things that can be very overwhelming. They can be overwhelming. Yeah, I think naturally in me, especially with things that I did before doing this work, I always gravitated towards presenting and being the front of whatever product I was talking about. So it sort of just came naturally to me to to be that way and do it that way so I'm glad to have that feedback that's awesome Mm, it's handy to have that when you're when you're your own brand it's handy to have those skills because that's some of the skills that hold people back in the the spiritual entrepreneurial space you know Shannon you know went through all that kind of stuff as well it's like being seen is one of the hardest things for people like us Mm. so you're so lucky you're blessed to be able to have those skills already which is awesome so I'd love to know um, which psychic or intuitive abil- abilities that you identify with and when you first realized these abilities? So I'm 39 now and my spiritual journey has been interesting because I've always been interested in other realms, past lives, mediums, all of those things I sort of started delving into a bit more at the age of 18. And 
my abilities, I wasn't one of those children who had some amazing abilities and could see dead people walking around or anything. I was highly sensitive. Like I, now when I look back, there definitely was a heightened sense of empathy for a lot of things because my mum, as I recall, being a child would, would always tell me, gosh, you're so sensitive about everything. And so at 33, I'm 39 now, at 33, um, I had a I had a product distribution company in Asia. And from the age of 28 to 33, I was traveling back and forth from New Zealand to Asia, oh God, seven, eight times a year just to fulfill the obligations of that company. And I was incredibly stressed. I was just leading this lifestyle that was very depleting. And when I'd come back to New Zealand, I would go and see a traditional Māori healer, a massage, you know, doing traditional Māori healing arts. And it was between her and things that mediums had told me years ago that all sort of just happened at 33. And so it was an experience with this particularly particular Māori healer um, here in New Zealand that I went to her house to have a session, but she got on the table instead. <laughs> And then I just realized that being things that I didn't know about her. And and from then on, uh, Tracy and Shannon, it just turned into something that I wasn't expecting. I was not expecting this to be my full-time work at all. I had a totally different plan for myself. But as we know, plans don't usually turn out <laughs> the way we think. And also your question about what, um, you know, abilities that I have. You know, I thought about this over the years and it's a little bit of everything. Like I noticed that for the sessions that I have with clients, whatever they perceive, so clear sentience, clairvoyance, clear audience, um, I also smell disease on people. So it changes depending on the person that I have, but I would say it's a little bit of everything, but my definite strength out of all of it is I can genuine, genuinely say that I feel and take on the transference that a client gives me during a session is my biggest gift is that I can feel everything that's going on in someone's body when I'm working with them and as I can to relieve them of that. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Was that was that difficult to uh, manage when it first started happening? Yeah. It was like my partner I remember this night, I was just crying all the time when I figured out I could do, <laughs> that I had these, I was crying all the time. And he came home one day and he said, if you're going to be bloody crying like this all the time, you better stop it. Because he said, I'm not living like this. I'm going to, I'm going to leave. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> calm down. And so I had to figure out how to set boundaries around it and figure, because I still, I mean, I've gotten better over the years with boundaries, but I still sometimes struggle. Like, is this, is these guys feelings? I wonder who I've got tomorrow. And then I'll contact my administrator. I'll be like, have I got any client tomorrow? You know, and then I'll sort of figure out, okay, that's obviously something that I'm picking up for tomorrow. I need to set boundaries around that so I can just go back to feeling like myself. So yes, the short answer to that question is absolutely. When I first started doing this work, it was really, really challenging, but I've gotten better. I'm sure there's still more improvements I can make as time goes on to disconnect and just be human Gaia that does human normal things too. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. And so you've, yeah. And so you founded Soul 33 after your personal awakening. And are you able to give us some insight into the lead up to this and of your experience of the actual awakening? So like, was it a lightning bolt that you thought this is what I'm meant to do? Was it more of a gradual thing? You know how a lot of, most of us, all of us 
have been in denial or are in denial. And I think from, because when I started seeing mediums and things when I was about 18, every year I'd go and see a particular, I mean, I'm actually friends with all of those mediums still, actually. We all do exchanges for each other from different times in our lives. And I think that I was in denial about it because I was, I'd be told in sessions with them that, oh, you know, you're going to be doing similar type of work and you're really, you know, you're you're very gifted. And I'd never listened to those parts of that, though. I was more interested in whether I was going to get married, I was going to have children, whether I was going to be this, that, you know, I, was, I, was, I wasn't really paying attention to the other parts of it. So when time went on and 33 came in, it was about a year before I turned 33, I would actually tell my partner, I think something amazing is going to happen to me when I turn 33. And I'd say it all the time. And he'd be like, well, what do you think it's going to be? And I'm like, I don't know. But in my head, I was thinking it would be like a business thing or a, you know, I'd been working so hard from, with my career, with my distribution company. And so when I had the awakening, I could go back into all the different things mm. that led to it. So 33 was the time the door opened, but it was creaking open over a really long period of time. Yeah. And so when the when I realized it was an awakening and I was sort of overwhelmed with all the different feelings and these new heightened sensitivities, um, like I mentioned before, it wasn't this amazing thing that I was going, oh my God, I'm so special and wonderful. I wasn't thinking that at all. I was just thinking, oh my God, what how, Like, what am I meant to do with this? Is there something wrong with me? Where is this going? And it was, yeah, it took a long time to really figure it out. And Soul 33, that name didn't come to me till, because I didn't know what I was doing the first mm -hmm. year of when I was <laughs> seeing people. I was just kind of like, and then one of my medium friends is like, you don't need to know what you're doing. Just, just yeah, do, do it. Just do, do it. And so I did, and then the name, and then I thought, okay, this is much bigger than what I thought it was going to be, and then I formed the company and went on from there based on the demand, and yeah, and it's become my whole life now, which is great, because I can genuinely say I'm living my purpose and me. I didn't realize that before 33, I was just pretending to be me. It wasn't yeah. actually me. <laughs> and we ever in, like, denial at certain points with, like, different... Um... I guess, gifts or intuit intuitive gifts. Like, did you explain it away? I know I've done that in the past where I'm like, ah, that's, you know, like you try and think about things logically. and Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm naturally a very practical, pragmatic mm -hmm. person. So I, it wasn't like I was, you know, I am yeah. in some ways, but in other ways I'm very organised and, you know. And so I think initially... I definitely would question things a bit mm. more, kind of like, well, no, I must have known that about that person, or maybe <laughs> I did. But then I realized that actually I'm just overthinking this too much. I've just got mm. a job to do. I just deliver it and do the heal, like facilitate the healing, and then I, I move on from there. But yeah, no, of course, denial, especially for the first few years, was definitely something very strong in me because I guess it was also a little bit of like, well, why me? Mm. <laughs> You know, yeah. questioning that, like, why, why, why was my master's degree? Why could I just not just have my distribution <laughs> company and carry on doing what I was doing? Like, what's this for? So, but once I got over that, it has just become a very natural way of life mm. for me. Oh, it's so fascinating. I love hearing about how people, yeah, come into their, their own practices and their own gifts. And yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. And through your, uh, early stages is that when you founded um soul progression therapy yeah because initially I wasn't sure like when you asked me the question like what is I wasn't really sure 
what it was until I realized that, oh, every time I see someone for the first session, I seem to be seeing not the same thing, but a same, like a similar format, a formula that, that I discover someone's soul. And then I realized, oh. I sat and thought like, okay, then people started coming back and I'm like, okay, so what happens in the next session with them and what happens in the following session with them? And I realized that with, with what I do, it's giving them this blueprint who they've been before and what they've done, which gives them insight into putting the pieces together to progress their soul, to, to not repeat patterns again mm. and to be more aware of what they're doing and why they're doing it. And if there hasn't been anything in this lifetime that explains why they are the way they are, um, often I will pinpoint that before we find out what those issues are or just say, oh, this is what you've done. And then they'll go, oh my God, so that explains why. So I called it soul progression theory because I realized that I wasn't just sort of giving them information now. I was giving them a very deep insight from what their soul was telling me to tell them about mm -hmm. themselves. And so soul progression therapy was a term that I came up with, which explained when people return to me, I get more information to give them more depth and understanding as they're ready for it about what their purpose is here on earth and how they can be fulfilled by being here rather than always desiring everything and never being fulfilled or contented with life. Mm, fascinating. And you also use soul evolution techniques inside the therapy. And can you tell us a little more about how these techniques and like why you find them to be so successful with people? So as, I mean, and you guys will know this as well. Like, you know, when you see different people, people are all different. Some people are really mm -hmm. open and some people uh, come with resistance or a little bit more fearful or skeptical. And so with different people, and I always tell clients that sometimes I can just sit and talk to one person for days because there's just I'm just perceiving everything. Some people, they can only handle so much information. And so when you, when I see someone like that, I will start integrating a little bit of hypnosis or more energy healing, things that will allow them to get into a state where they are able to receive more information at a later date. So they're evolving at a pace that they're able to handle rather than feeling like, oh gosh, this woman's going to give me all this information that I can't handle. And she's going to tell me my husband's having an affair. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, it's kind of like we move at a pace. So the techniques that I use defer mm -hmm. depending on the person, but I usually am a bit more strategic with them if the person has the resistance that they come with because they're fearful about whatever's going to come out of my mouth or whatever I'm going to say to them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So it's more of a, it's it's obviously a way to move them further along, but it's also a way for you to have your own tools and techniques to help the client. So the soul evolution techniques are more techniques for you to get the person to go where they want to go as opposed for the person to really kind of learn. It's like they, you, you learn, you apply the technique rather than them applying the technique. C correct. That's right. Mm -hmm. I do apply the technique to them because I know that that's a way to get them to progress their soul rather than giving them something that they can't handle at the time. And then we move at a pace that that client can handle. It's really interesting mm. too, with the soul progression therapy, obviously we don't confuse it with past life regression therapy, um, but yes. it's interesting how you go backwards with the soul um, purpose to move forwards. 
And so when Mm. I saw soul progression therapy, I was like, oh my God, I love this woman already. Who is she? Tell me more about her. Because when we, (laughs) when we think about soul regression, like past life regression therapy and um, any kind of regression therapy, it's very, um, like I find, I don't know about you and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming with soul progression therapy that you're going to be similar I find that um, people get get stuck in in that regression, and and they they go there to um, to find uh, comfort in discomfort, I guess. Whereas there's no real progression; it's just perceived progression because you're finding out more about yourself, but you're not really progressing. Mm. You're just finding out more, and so that soul progression therapy for me, I love the the whole entire concept, but also the energy that's the the force behind it, because it's about going backwards in order to go forwards. That's right. And and I find it like even useful for myself to be able to travel to those past lives for my client, because I don't know them when they first come to see me. So I have no idea what's coming out of my mouth or why. And then when they start joining the pieces together, it makes complete sense to them. Like, oh my God, I didn't realize that that's why I have an eating disorder or that's why I'm whatever. And then I'm like, okay, cool. So you've joined the pieces together. And then I do the energy part of it to extract that energy into me which I then release transmute after I finish with the client so it's a little bit of everything so yes there's obviously a place for past life regression therapy and I went to New York and um, studied with Brian Weiss for a week and a half and that was really really interesting so it gave me the other side of things for putting the client into that space of viewing it themselves but for me with with what I do my preference is to look first as the practitioner and then if I need to take the client back there themselves I would do that later um in a later session once I've looked at it from my perspective and given them the information mm. so yeah so it's definitely going backwards to go forwards because we we all have our triggers none of us are free from triggers or our own lessons and I just think it's a really interesting way to look at trauma and to look at purpose and and sometimes I see clients who very very clear blueprints like oh you know you've been a doctor every single life so what do you do now I'm a doctor but then sometimes I so sometimes I know when I see someone that has been chopping and changing work or they haven't found themselves I'll be like you don't know what your purpose is in life do you no I don't so then we start to figure it out together like okay so this is the things that you've done have you got interest in these areas yes I do so this is what you need to try that I can't give you the answer what your purpose is I can only guide you down the right path for you and then we yeah so everyone's different so it's really I find the work really fascinating sometimes Mm. it amazes me like I'll finish a session going oh my god that was so exciting and interesting for me to have traveled back to the 1600s and seen all that happen because I'd learned so much because my dad had always told me as a young girl he said you know you don't have to have experienced something to understand but in this way I don't go through the trauma myself as Gaia but I travel back and I witness it and I get into that person's energy and I know how they feel and this is why my if you talk to any of my clients I will sit there crying with them during my sessions because it's like oh my god I can feel that that trauma that you went went through so it really gives me insight to have no judgment mm. on what I see. Like, you know, prior to this, I was we all judge to a certain degree, of course. And now it's just, you know, through my own journey, judgment has become something that is very rare for me now because I've seen it all and I've experienced so many different things through my clients 
who trust me enough to go there with them. So that's always really humbling and exciting at the same time. That's beautiful. I love hearing another person speak about these things because um, like that's like me. And so it's just so, it's just so beautiful to feel like, um, like I identify so much with what you're saying and it just makes me feel more of a collective rather than the outsider or the, the, the odd one out. It's like, no, right now, two out of three of us are the same rather than just one of the three of us kind of thing. Um, the other thing too, is like, Mm. I often get asked, so I'm curious to see what your answer to this question is. I often get asked, um, or people will say to me, I'm scared to look at you in the eyes, Tracy, because they know I can read eyes and they know that I can see everyone's path for their highest good. Like you see the past, I see the the future of what, what they're here to do if they want to. Mm. And I always just say to people, like, I, like, unless I have your permission, I don't do it, but it wasn't always that way for me. I could do it with everyone and I can do it with everyone, but I've got like a moral integrity and some ethics about me that stops me from doing that. But do you, do you find that if, if I said to you, um, are you like, if you were to look at Shannon right now, what stops you from not seeing her past? I stop myself because I too have those morals and ethics where, to be honest, when I'm not working, I know this sounds terrible. I'm not interested in what other people's lives are. You know, I'm really, I'm really, really, I'm really, I've got my own things to think about. I've got my own dishes to wash. (laughs) I've got my, you know, being Gaia. I've got my own stuff to do. And I'm just, I'm really not interested in looking at, I think it's a very egotistical thing for me to be sitting on my high horse going, oh, I could read all of you. I actually just don't mm-hmm. care in my own time, like what uh-huh. you're doing. That It's better if I'm just in my own bubble, rest, replenishing and restoring myself yeah. so that when I do work, I can give you my all and then go back to being mm-hmm. myself. So the same as you, Tracy, I I just don't, I, I mean, I've actually sat, you know, you know, people like us will find each other somehow, you know, yeah. I've sat in, I've sat in restaurants and some, I'm just like, oh, you know, telling me things. I'm like, I didn't ask you to read me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't ask you to read me. I didn't, I, I'm just having dinner with my, yeah. So yeah. I always ask permission for um, my clients, you know, as I speak to them, you know, can I have a look? Am I, are you giving me permission to have a look? And that's when I do. So day-to-day life is just very normal for me mm-hmm. like I'm just doing normal people things so yeah absolutely what's stopping me from reading Shannon is my ethics yep. and also that she hasn't given me permission and this is it's a private thing between her mm-hmm. choose to come to me and also the timing's not right because for me there is a certain period of time that people wait to see me and that is because things are divinely occurring for mm. whatever needs to happen when you do come and see me. So I'd never put it on anybody. In fact, I barely, I didn't mean for Soul 33 to turn into what it has turned into. That's just gone because I'm just doing what I'm meant to be doing with my life. Mm. And fortunately, it helps people. And so apart from that, I just really live a very quiet, like if there was a camera up in my house and people were watching me, they'd be like, man, this feels boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, she's just so routine. And it's true because you're just doing normal shit all yeah. day. Yeah. I get that. I get that so yeah. much. You know, I literally, like I was teaching a class last night and I literally said that. I'm like, you guys, I think, have a completely different idea about who I am. I'm really freaking boring. Like I do all the things you do. In fact, I do less, like I do less socializing than you do because 
I don't want to be around people because I'm around people all day, every day. I like being by (laughs) myself and I don't like, I don't need to go out. I put my head down. I don't want to bump into people at the shops. I don't want to be introduced to everybody. I just want to be me. (laughs) It's like under the radar. I was was laughing and I totally understand. I was laughing and telling my best friend, I've actually been enjoying wearing masks when I'm out. I said, do I wish, (laughs) I wish they could be balaclavas. I said, then nobody (laughs) nobody would see me I literally am like that I just want to be invisible when I go I don't want to bump into anybody that I know when I'm out I just want to buy my groceries and walk home (laughs) yeah I feel ya oh I'm glad I found another I'm glad I found another one (laughs) and that kind of does the same thing that I do you as as you do too it's I, I yeah love work I love my work find it fascinating but I just don't have a big ego about it because I just, because, you know, I've got my own, we all have our own life things. Just because we have these abilities doesn't mean that it's often life is weirder and more challenging because of the abilities and because of the lessons that we're here to experience for our own journeys as us. Um, I always tell my clients, you don't think that I'm scot-free problems. I've got my own Mm. stuff. It's just that I probably have a different why they're occurring and are more resilient to the issues rather than just sitting there in that energy of why is this happening to me? I may sit in it for a little while and then get out and go, okay, I totally know what this is for and then move on. Mm -hmm. I have a little random question for you, Mm. um, which I'd love to pick your brains while I've got you. So I understand how people can take emotional issues from one life into the next um you know those kinds of traits but what about any kind of physical things can that be brought into another life as well oh my goodness absolutely a lot of health issues um like sometimes I'll I kind of remember I think I had a client yesterday that I could see um that this person had some sort of issue with their left leg and obviously a session via zoom I can't see anything and um, I was telling them, you know, there's a big gash out of your leg and blah, blah, And then they lift up their leg and show me, well, you know, in this life, I've got this big gash out of my leg too. But from that life, it was for a different reason, but they've carried it forward. So definitely health things I see a lot and I can smell a lot with the health stuff and physical physical birthmarks mm-hmm. or scars or things like that. That does travel a lot too. So I often do see those in, in someone's past life blueprints that are existing in their current life. It's fascinating. I mean, life is, is just such a fascinating thing, like to see where someone's been to who they are now shaped by those experiences and then giving whatever insight to help them either connect in with the energy of those lives that have benefited them where they were really living their purpose and they've forgotten who they are or go finally letting it go rather than coming back over and over having the same trauma or having the same experience but definitely the physical things do travel as well yeah wow that's fascinating mm. and what about something like a tattoo a ta- like with tattoos like where the placement is or a design yep. or yes that that has happened before like I remember seeing a lady um she had long sleeves and I said oh my god I said you always have you always get traditional star like constellations down your left arm and then she lifts up her sleeve oh. and there's constellation so I was like oh that's so interesting that you've done this again but in a different lifetime you know I can't even remember what the lifetime was but yeah tattoos definitely um pieces of jewelry like I always seem to gravitate towards jewelry that has some big massive long meaning behind it even though I didn't intend to do it that way <laughs> like, you know so it's um yeah definitely there's lots of things can be picked up from one's experience from different lifetimes that carry forward physical emotional yeah all of it Shannon yeah it's so fascinating I love it 
<laughs> so on your website, you say that you, you're able to see cells in the body. So is that like, because you were talking about being able to smell um, different things that are going on. But when you say that you can see the cells in the body, what does that look like to you? So I will see often blockages in someone's body when I body scan them for health issues. So like, say, for example, like I, cancer has a very distinctive smell. And so when I see blockage for cancer in the body, the cells to me look very dim and dark compared to other healthy cells in the body. My perception will stop at areas where the cells look different from the other healthy cells. And that's when I'll say to my client, I'm not a doctor, but this is what I'm picking up. I suggest you go and have a look at this or get this blood test or whatever. So if there's a smell associated with the blockage of cells that I'm seeing in the body, I'll definitely be inclined to tell them. And most of the time they know that there's something wrong, but they haven't done anything about it. But yeah, I do. The cells for me are not literally seeing scientific cells in the body mm -hmm. but it's more the 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 way they light up the light with the different organs that give me information to convey to the client that okay well this seems to be an issue with your liver at the moment or with your uterus or with your bowel or whatever it is and then um but that's when I'm actively doing a body scan for them which naturally usually happens as I'm working on someone's body anyway so yeah yeah well that's but the cool. smell the Sorry, smell then. is definitely very off-putting when you mm -hmm. smell someone's disease, because sometimes before anyone even comes on my screen or gets here physically, I'm like, wow, okay, this person that, you know, and so, yeah, it's quite an interesting part of the job. Yeah, I couldn't yeah, wait to ask okay. you that question um, because so I, when I do body scans on people, um, I see the physical body in the middle and then emotional body and the mental body and I see shadowing over each of them they're like holograms mm. and I see shadowing over them and so I know but I don't see cells so I was really interested to see how you do it but it sounds similar like everything lights up it's just like a shadow That's right the, the darker the shadow the either the more um like the more dead the thing is or it's coming to the end of whatever it is the lighter the shadow the lighter the weight of the the density of it um, and with the smell thing, I find that so fascinating because the only smell that I, everything that I get in terms of body is visual and um, claircognizance and clairsentience. But with my clairolfactance, the only smell I ever smell is death. Mm. So but I know when people are going to die. Right. That's interesting. See, I don't look at that because I just don't look at the death but for me cancer smells like death so the, the first mm. time that I smelt cancer the the things that came out of what came out of my mouth without because I don't think when I do the work I just say um I said oh you smell like death do you have cancer wow. oh. I do have cancer so for me I totally understand what you mean that that you smell death so that's really yeah that's really interesting to mm. find someone else that smells death I mean obviously you know when someone's going to die I don't look at this. I don't. Yeah. I don't. So I don't tell them. <laughs> and yeah. to be honest, I don't do it for my clients. So it happens um, usually with celebrities or public figures rather than my clients. So I have oh. a rule where I don't want to know anything about my clients unless it's curable, preventable, or manageable. I can handle those three things right. and I can deliver it. No problem. Mm but I do not want to know if something's deadly or, um, you know, eventually going to kill them. What's that word called? Um, um, when something's deadly, it is, oh my God, I can't think of the word. Um, 
but I don't want to know those things. But usually, um, like throughout my whole life, like I will have weird kind of symbols and and weird kind of knowings and and visions and things happen and that that are literal as well. Um, but then I smell the smell of death, and then I know that the death applies mm. to the person that I've been getting all this information about. But it's usually oh, like I did so it for interesting. Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson, um, Kobe Bryant, Heath Ledger, those kinds of people. Mm. Yeah, but so interesting. It's an awful smell when you smell it because it just comes, and you're not. It's just like one minute it's not there, and the next minute it's there, and you just know what it means, and you just get that feeling of like. <gasps> It's so fascinating, Tracy. It is, isn't it? Mm. Well, yeah, I have a question for both of you coming mm. from like the listener's perspective. When you both say you see things like on the body, are you actually seeing it with, with your eyes or your mind, like through your mind's eye? You go first, Gaia. I don't see it physically with my eyes. It's it's not it's not like a physical thing, like how we see each other's bodies now. It's it's a different type of sight. It's a sight that is beyond the physical. It's a sight that is visionary. And it depends how, like, I see them as shadows or I see them as sometimes really clear. It just depends. But it's definitely not a sight mm-hmm. that is a physical sight that's out of your eyes. So hard to explain. Tracy, you might be able to explain it better. <laughs> yeah, I don't see it physically um, when it comes to body scans. Um, but I see it in my mind's eye like a memory. So it's like you, yes. it's like you imagine, like if you think of something from the past and you're remembering it, if you close your eyes, you can almost see a movie play out in your mind when you're memory, remembering something. That's so right. It's like, it's a, like a daydream for me sometimes yeah. too. Okay. Yeah. It's like a, it, and so what, with the, awesome. with the body scans for me, I don't know what your process is, Gaia, but for me, I throw up the three holograms. So it's like I bring up, I bring up their energetic bodies and then I'm able to see the three in front of me in my mind's eye. And I can do it with my eyes open now, but, you know, if I, if you can imagine doing it with your eyes closed and you've just got three kind of like um, hologram bodies, that is the emotional, that's the physical and that's the mental and there's shadow over all of them. So I know if, if there is something in the physical, then they've got a physical symptom that they're probably aware of or potentially like they might be unaware of it and they need to go to the doctors if it's in the in the emotional and the mental but not in the physical then I know that I can heal it with some spiritual work now Mm. but and they don't need sort of western medicine intervention to help with the healing it's just like me or together me and traditional mainstream medicine Mm. When I do the body scans, I'm literally, I don't see it as separate. I see it all together and I just get stopped at the various parts wow. of the body and told like, okay, this person has this issue or this person has this issue. And then then I bring it all together to deliver it to the person to do what they wish with it. Or if I can help energetically, then I'll do that too. So cool. Mm, so cool. That. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for explaining it. Cause I, I was just thinking if someone's listening to this, like, yeah, we're not like you two yeah. <laughs> you might not understand. <laughs> You just get, get in what our own little saying. language bubble. It's just we know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, so, now, oh, you go, Shan. Oh, oh, good. I was just going to ask Gaia, um, who has been your greatest spiritual influences and why? You know, Shannon, I, like, I remember speaking to a guy in America a few years ago, and I was sort of just asking him just various questions so he was a spiritual guy I won't name his name but 
And he just said to me, I can tell that you've not read much about about mediums or spirituality. He said, I can tell you haven't been conditioned by anything. I don't actually really have any, Shannon. Like I, I just... I like to put my blinkers on and just do what I do. I don't mm-hmm. I don't really look. I mean, I'd read a lot of books and things like that, but it's more about like listening to Tracy. It's so interesting how other yeah. people do it. What, you know, everybody, like when my clients go and see other people, it's awesome when they come back because we've all put bits of the puzzle together because what I do is not going to be mm. what Tracy does exactly and what someone else does. So for me, I don't really, Brian Weiss was definitely someone that I wanted to go to New York and meet because of the past life regression. I wanted another aspect to what I was naturally seeing so he was definitely someone that I was very interested in and also I tend to gravitate towards people that come towards me naturally so if I have a client they'll go oh guy you have to read this book or you have to do this I'd be like oh obviously I meant to look at that but I don't go seeking it out so much Shannon so I I can't really I can't answer that question it's something that I I just like to be in my own bubble and just figure things out myself without getting anybody else's influence. Cause I think that just keeps you being individual to who you are and everyone's gifts are different. We all add value mm. in some way to the client. Um, but yeah, Brian Weiss was definitely, definitely one of them, but you know, yeah, there's been others along the way, but no one that yeah. really has stuck out for me to give, give you names. Yeah, about, no, that's totally fair enough. Yeah. And so you were, um, when you were younger, you had, um, I think I read the Hindu sort of cultural background. So has that been something that you found um, along the way, along the journey has been like a foundation for you in terms of spirituality? So I'm Sri Lankan by ethnicity. I've not been to Sri Lanka myself, but I am Sri Lankan and ancestry are all Hindus. So from the Hindu religion. And so growing up, there were a lot of rituals. There's a lot of burning of things. There's a lot of incense. There's a lot of sacred ash. There was all sorts of stuff that would just be a daily thing in the home that was just normal for me. Mm-hmm. And also a lot of talk about past lives. Like, we, you know, I've not, fortunately, touched wood, not attended too many funerals. But um, like in a Hindu funeral, the customs are pre- preparing the soul's life ensuring that the body has been cleaned and prepared properly for um, cremation. And then the prayers and the chanting and the mantras that are recited are ensuring that the soul is going where it needs to go to learn its lessons and review its life before. So I grew up with all of that information. So for me, what I did was just kind of a bit of a heightened version of that is just understanding it a little bit more and seeing what that all meant. And so as I got older and as I started doing this work, identifying with that religion became, before it was just kind of like, oh, you're just whatever, what your family's doing or what you're mm-hmm. asked to do. But now it's become like, oh, I actually totally understand why that ritual's being done now and what my grandmother was doing when I walked into the house to remove people's eyes from me so that it was detaching all the negative energy before wow. I walked. You know, or the rain dance that I had to do the other day that my grandma taught me and when I was a young girl to stop it from raining to speak to the weather gods. <laughs> to me, all that was normal. I didn't know other people were not doing that stuff. So- <laughs> at home and so then I just started realizing okay it's from my ancestral religion that these rituals were all had some significant meaning so I do now I'm very grateful Mm. for that because it really has you know being of this culture and growing up in New Zealand 
as a kid, you kind of detach from all of that because you're trying to fit in. And then when I realized I can't do anything to fit in, <laughs> I'm just gonna be <laughs> I'm just gonna be weird and different. I started embracing that a lot more. And so I do use a lot of the rituals and things that I was taught as a child and investigate ones that I still don't know by asking my grandmother or asking my mom, like, why, why is that done? Mm. Oh, so there is something for the God. Everything was about progressing the soul in Hinduism. So like even the way that temples are all shaped, it's all towards enlightenment. It's all a path leading you somewhere. And so that was part of the soul progression therapy is also the Hinduism that is my religion from birth and beyond. So, yeah. Wow. So I guess it's your greatest spiritual influence. Your it own is. I guess yeah. it is. History. It is. And yeah. becoming more interested in, in it as I get older and, mm. you know, the different Hindu mythologies and the gods and the goddesses. And yeah, so it's nating for me. But yeah, I do integrate a bit of that into my work as well. I love that. I we'll love have that. to have you back one yeah. time to talk about Hindu gods and goddesses because I'm obsessed. <laughs> I mean, they're so fascinating. I just, there's oh. just so much to know about what every face means and what every hand position means and yeah. why the person's holding the lotus in the left hand and why the trident's holding the, held in the right hand. And, you know, everything is symbolic and means significant. And it's like I always tell my clients, it's not that those gods are like up there in the sky. They actually are symbolism to for what we're meant to be doing and what we're meant to be learning and why we're evoking that particular energy. Mm. Mm. There was a time um, just before uh, the pandemic hit, before, you know, everything turned upside down, where the Hindu um, gods and goddesses, I became much more interested in them because they started to come through as guides for me in readings. And they, they'd kind of been in and out over the years since I was younger, but they'd never really been quite consistent. And then just before COVID hit, um, they were consistently coming through and it was beautiful and I was really enjoying getting to know them. And we've got here um, up north of our state in New South Wales, we've got uh, the Crystal Castle in Mullumbimby. And they've actually mm -hmm. got um, like they've got gardens and statues and all of those things that um, like in one of their gardens, they've got all of the different Hindu gods in a statue and they've got Lakshmi kind of mm -hmm. in pride of place and I just felt like I wanted to go there and, and just ground and connect and just be in their energy because I felt so drawn to them. But then everything happened and everything kind of stopped. And yeah, so I I, I, I hear you in terms of, um, you know, getting more interested in them as well. And I, I do think that they're going to play a bigger role in, um, I guess, you know, from our perspective as light workers, that I think more and more light workers are going to be having a little bit of a, um an alliance with the hindu gods and goddesses mm. I, I i'm seeing so many more people embrace them um which is beautiful so yeah, we'll have to no, get absolutely. you on to teach us to school us. yeah i and and i think like you know as we move forward with the integration of hindu goddesses and gods the mantras need to be pronounced properly like really passionate about <clears throat> is because I hear them being recited sometimes. Like I'm not, I don't even know what you're evoking by saying, <laughs> saying it that way. Because my <laughs> because my grandma every morning, because I lived with her a lot, I'd hear the bells ringing, waking up the gods. She'd be walking around the wow. house to every statue, waking up the gods. And then I'll hear her reciting. And I and when I was a kid, I was like, oh my god, please be quiet because it's like so early. <laughs> But now I know why we have to wake up the gods to get the attention and, you know, pronunciation of the mantras and stuff. But I think, yes, absolutely, I agree, Tracy. I think there's going to be a big um, 
integration into into the Hindu beliefs. And for me, like I had never ever thought about Jesus until I was 33. It was wow. it was Christ consciousness that KD three, and then I was like, why am I why am I feeling Jesus everywhere? Why? And then I started investigating that a bit more, and then found out that my numerology number is thirty three, and wow. and its connection to all of that. And then so it's it's very interesting that you are you from your culture in this life are experiencing Hindu guides and goddesses. For me, going through my whole life as a Hindu, it was Jesus at thirty three. <laughs> And then I've got this, like, my friends come over, they're like, you're so weird. You've got, like, this giant picture of Jesus in your living room, the queen. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like well, you it. know, it's part of my quirkiness. But, but yeah, I just think it's really interesting to look at, because everyone's, whatever it is, whatever God, goddess, whoever, it's all the same messaging every, mm. anyway when you look beyond people's translation of it. And, um, and, so I just, and we're all one with it anyway, because we're all oneness. Of it's all one That's consciousness right. and it's all just, you know, just expressions of it. So mm. they've all got, like you just said, they've all got the same message. It's just like same shit, different spell kind of thing. It's like, they get, it, it, it's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's a terrible way to describe gods and goddesses, <laughs> same shit, different spell. But I couldn't think of a different, I couldn't think of a different phrase to say that would mean what I wanted it to mean. <laughs> can't believe I just did that but anyway um so I want to ask one more question um if you could give our listeners just one piece of advice when it comes to um dealing with an awakening what would it be awakenings I think like I have to be honest I have had clients where I've predicted awakenings and a lot of them went psychotic wow like went psychotic I'm not laughing but yeah and ended up because the spiritual ego got so big. Oh my God, I'm special. Oh my God, I'm hearing these things. Oh, I'm predicting these things. And it's about really setting strong boundaries and making sure that you realize that you too are on your human journey as Shannon is, as Tracy is. Getting support. Like I, for me, you know, I started my app because I felt that when I was going through my spiritual awakening that I didn't have the right people holding my hands at the time because people were busy had they had their own lives to deal with and so like you're going through a spiritual awakening find a coach or someone that can support you to help you understand what's happening for you and also setting really strong boundaries that you don't actually have to be sitting in that space all day long and perceiving everything and reading everybody and I just think that awakenings are amazing things but they're not what people think they are they're not this amazing wonderful feeling it's very because there's a like a fine line between psychic and psychotic (laughs) you know there's a real fine line and if you push that line like some of my clients have in the past by just sitting in that space all day to go on antipsychotics to bring them back to a more grounded space to be able to function Mm. so I think spiritual awakening shouldn't be taken lightly it really shouldn't you people delve in that's why I said you know with mantras and stuff you've got to be careful what you're actually delving into and why mm. and your intentions behind things. Like I said, when I started doing this work, I wasn't on my high horse going, oh my God, I'm so amazing. It was like, holy shit, like what is actually happening to me? How do I now control I'm weirder. This I didn't think I'd get weirder. weirder. <laughs> no. And I'm, I'm crying all the time thing and I'm having suicidal thoughts because of a client coming two days yeah, down wow. the, and I didn't know all that until I experienced it I'm like okay shit I can't feel what that person's feeling I'm, what's Gaia feeling so I just think if you are moving down that spiritual path and wanting to 
open yourself up really just know what you're in for and get the support that you need because it's not what everybody thinks it is this is amazing party trick it's not at all it's can be very draining and taxing on our lives and yeah boundaries are really really important I just feel that just from seeing clients push Mm. it too far um just because the spiritual ego you know I've seen it myself people who have amazing gifts but just can't be grounded about it and then they you know take it a bit too far and then push themselves into an area where they find it really hard to come back so definitely get support learn how to set boundaries you're everyone has abilities it's not just you it's just I always tell people look I've just got heightened sensitivity and heightened intuition you can too if you wanted to but it's not for everybody not everybody wants to experience those things because it's not that easy it's not as easy as what people think Mm. so get support set boundaries talk to people who know who have been through it before and find people who are authentically on the path. Like I'm very, very careful uh, who I who I tell my clients to go to for different things because I want that person to be authentically aligned, doing the work from a pure place rather from a, rather than from a place of selling something to them or you know trying to push something onto them that they don't need. So yeah, spiritual awakenings are amazing but challenging at the same mm-hmm. time. I love all of that advice. There was not just one piece of advice there. There was about a hundred pieces of advice. So thank you. And I have to agree with everything that you said. And I remember one of my teachers saying to me years ago, um, and it's something that when when our listeners, especially people that have been mentored by me, they're going to have a giggle when they hear it. But I'll never forget the day that my mentor said, Tracy, it's not about you. This work is not about you. The work you're going to be serving with the world has nothing to do with you the quicker you understand that and accept that the better you'll be for everybody else and for yourself and from that day I just made sure that I never made anything that I do about me it's a little bit difficult because you know you kind of become the face of of the soul 33 and you know like I'm Tracy Dimmick you know and it's like you become the the brand I guess in the face of it but and a representation of it and that's a little bit difficult to navigate but that's about as far as it gets when it comes to being about you. The rest yes, of it is about right. the person and, and the gifts and the service and the, you know, the healing that comes from it. And then something else that you said too, in terms of um, like find a coach or find people that that you can talk to that have been through it or are going through it. What I find, and I'm interested just to hear what, what you think about this, but you know, like with organized religion and like even in Hindu, but in Catholicism, you know, if we just use that as an example, People of the same faith, they they go to, they congregate and they have a, a pastor or a priest or, you know, the brotherhood or, you know, they have these um, elders that, that are in their faith that have walked before them that every Sunday or every Friday or whatever it is that you can go and you can speak and you can receive and you can um, talk about things and share. But when you're on your own personal journey and you don't necessarily belong to an organized religion Mm. we miss that we miss that element of spirituality and so when you said find a coach and find people who are like-minded and and people that have been there and done that I guess in in certain ways that's what like I feel like that's what that is it's like finding your own congregation of people that it's like going and finding your priest or your elder or whatever and you kind of have to take that initiative because they're not going to just be next door you can't just rock up at the church down the road that says everyone's welcome 
because it's not, it's not like that. You actually have to take some initiative to put yourself out there and just say, hey. You do. Absolutely. You do have to take the initiative. And this is when you have to find someone that has your best interests at heart. And this is where the ego thing comes in because a lot of my clients will say to me, oh my God, you give us like the best insight on how to help our spiritual businesses. And I'm like, well, because I'm doing my own thing. You're different. Like, why would I not give you this insight? Where <laughs> I have found in the past, people that I've met in the industry haven't been as genuine as I thought they would be. And so you do have to Agreed. go and find people that... Um, are really wanting to hold your hand and 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 show you what you shouldn't shouldn't do and how to be grounded and still live your life and not being on your high horse like you know everything and that you're beyond everybody because we're not I like I said to you just you and I we're just like everybody else we've got you know we've got all our weird shit just with (laughs) health stuff and whatever but um yeah definitely absolutely right Tracy it's it's not they're not people to support you during a spiritual awakening like this they're not easy to find agree and when you think about like when you think about um like a priest for example or a nun they there is everything about them making it about them is stripped because they're there purely to represent the embodiment of their gods and so you need to like it's like looking for people that are similar to that it's just like it's like I'm really just the messenger like, don't make it about me. Like, I want to. I remember in my early days saying to Laura, who is usually my host for Turns Out She's Psychic, I remember saying to her that I just want to be like the Wizard of Oz. Like, I want to stand behind a curtain <laughs> and no one can know who I am because it's not about me, but I don't want it to be about me. And I know people are going to make it about me. And it's, it's, it's sort of having, giving everyone, especially yes. our listeners, that insight to just go, be careful about the people who are making it about them and try also from the from the learner's perspective or the student's perspective, try not to make it about the teacher as well. Like try not to look at the teacher and instead listen to their message. That's right. And, and I'm, I'm the same. I'm like, this This is not about me. I don't even know what I'm saying half the time. I'm just yeah, I know, right? I don't remember anything. <laughs> no, you don't remember. <laughs> like people think that I, I'm re- like remembering everything the next time. I'm like, I don't know shit, man. I can barely remember <laughs> what I ate, I ate yesterday, let alone what I said to you the last time I saw you. But yep. it's, like you said, it's really hard because I was the same when I first started this because I thought, oh, because my partner was like, maybe it's just a hobby. I was like, I don't think this is a hobby because there's <laughs> <laughs> it seems there seems to be there seems to be a lot of people finding me somehow. And so then I just thought, oh should I actually have to put myself as the face of this? But then I just always remind my clients, please don't think that I'm sitting here on my high horse like I know everything. I'm just delivering to you what you need for your path. I'm on my path yeah. and I will just walk down your path as much as you want me to. And then I will retreat back into my life. <laughs> so I'm not here to change you or make you into me. Don't, and I just don't want to be put on any type of pedestal. Oh. I don't want to be called a guru. I don't want people bowing down to me. All of that. If you find someone like that to coach you, I think you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And, but you know what, like they've got to learn their lessons, you know, like, um, you know, some people don't learn the lesson and and they move into that cult mentality (laughs) Um, and others um, learn the lesson pretty quickly. And and I think everyone's supposed to be on the path that they're on, obviously. Um, But I'm really glad that um, you and I have so many similar values and belief systems around what we do, which is beautiful. And I always like to find another 
another person that's, or another spiritual being having a human experience that I feel just gets me because it's really hard to feel gotten. Do you Um, feel that way? Yeah, totally. And I'm the same. I, you know, I'm a loner. I have my few close yeah. friends and then I just don't want to be around people. Don't want, you see how the cult mentality happens. I said to my partner, man, if I started a cult, I'd probably be so rich. And he said, you'd be awful because he said, you don't want to be around people all the time. <laughs> and I said, true. I said, I'm just saying. But yeah, it, uh, for sure. I just think that um, it's just something that just, you just have to stay grounded about it because, but then life gives you all these lessons to remind you, hello, guy, you are just human too. Yeah, <laughs> you know? so, knocks you down. <laughs> yeah, it does knock you down. But I mean, it's made life really interesting. Uh, it's definitely given me a lot more depth than I thought that I'd ever have. It's put me on the right path and it helps people. So that's all I can ask. So I'm really, really grateful for why ever this reason that I'm doing this work. Um, I just feel grateful to be able to help people in the way that I do. Oh, well, we're grateful that you're grateful for that. And we're grateful that you came onto the podcast and that our listeners are going to get to hear all of your wisdom. Um, And uh, we're going to put, I'm going to get Laura to put in the show notes, all of your details for Soul33 and your app and everything. Um, So don't be surprised if some of our listeners reach out to you and and tell you that they found you on the podcast. And I hope that they do find you um, and check you out because, and we've got lots of New Zealand listeners as well. So that that'll be really good because they might actually get to see you. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> awesome. I don't think we're going to be able to go across the pond for a little while, but anyway, um, thank you so much, Gaia. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, thank Tracy you. and Shannon for having me on. It's been such a pleasure talking to you both. Oh, that's been right. amazing. Thank you. We'll Bye. see you again soon. Hopefully. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks ladies. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to send us one of your ghost stories or if you have a question for me or for Laura, send us a Gmail at tospsychic at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at turnsout underscore she's psychic and over on Facebook at tospodcast.